Hello, welcome to the Hidden Addiction Podcast. We are the Mid-Hudson PGRC. That is the Problem Gambling Resource Center. And here we are. It is April. And we are just excited to have our guest today um, is John Simmons. And he is from the Testimony House. And so this is a new twist for us, um, for our podcast. But at all times, we want to be able to provide information around problem gambling people who have struggled with problem gambling, what their what their recovery journey looked like. And John is here to talk about his spiritual journey, which is a different journey um, that uh, from what we've had on our podcast before. So John, please introduce yourself. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Hey, I'm so happy to be here and uh, talk with you ladies this afternoon. Uh, my name is John Simmons. I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm a former problem gambler. I started gambling in the early, late, late, 90, late 90s, early 2000s. I had a decade long addiction where I lost about a half million dollars. And it ended only because I found a relationship with Jesus Christ that I didn't previously had. And so that led me on a journey of recovery and uh, self-discovery of who I am in Christ and allowed me to sort of change my life completely 180 and become a new person. I started a ministry in 2013. I've written several books and I host podcasts and do shows uh, to try and encourage people uh, on this subject and also on the subject of finding God's plan for your life. That's great. Thank you, John, for being here. Like Leilani said, you know, there's so many paths to recovery, right? Um, so thank you for being here to, to share your, your journey. Yeah. Happy to be here. So let's start with our questions. (laughs) Can you share about your recovery experience and the role um, your spirituality and your faith um, played? Sure, of course. So uh, like many people uh, today, you know, I just didn't have uh, necessarily a deep relationship uh, with religion or with Christ or anything like that, you know. And so I, I like I, my parents, and my grandparents took me to church a few times, like growing up. And so I had this sort of like, you know, I, I had been to church before, but I hadn't like, you know, practiced anything and I hadn't done anything. When my dad was, uh, uh, when my, well, when I was 12, my dad died of a heart attack and I had just been going to church for a couple weekends, you know, and they had told me that like, you need to pray and you need to ask God for things. And he answers prayers in ways that you can't ask, think, or imagine. And th- I remember hearing that as a kid and thinking like, okay, so I had a project due for school on a Monday. It's a Sunday night. And I prayed and I was like, God, I don't have this project done. Can you give me the day off school tomorrow? And so I woke up in the morning. It was like 930. School was already started. I was like, you did it, God, you did it. And unfortunately, though, my mom walks in a few minutes later. and She said, we lost your dad last night. He had a heart attack. And uh, I was off school for like two weeks. And in that moment, I like associated like me praying for a day off school with like God taking my dad away to answer my prayers. And so from like that moment on, I was sort of like, forget this God thing. I'm sort of out of it. Like I I didn't go back to church. I didn't like participate. Uh, I didn't think about him or doing any other prayers. Like, I don't know where those prayers are leading. So I sort of forget that, that lifestyle. So I just went about my, about my business. Like everybody else went to school, uh, you know, went to trade school for radio and ended up, uh, doing radio things for a while, but then I got uh, hooked into gambling. And so uh, gambling for me started when I saw Chris Moneymaker win the World Series of Poker in the early 2000s. And his story of turning $40 into $2 million was so appealing to me because I was like, I got $40. I can turn it into $2 million. And so I uh, you know, went to Las Vegas for a weekend on my 21st birthday fell in love with the atmosphere of like a card room and like everybody's got their glasses on and they're bluffing. And it's just, it's, it was an atmosphere that I loved, got back home. And then uh, somebody said, well, we have poker rooms in St. Louis where I live. And I was like, I didn't know that. So of course I run down there and I uh, end up loving that atmosphere just as much in my hometown. I get a job there dealing cards. So I'm constantly around this addiction. 
And so uh, I ended up losing money real fast, though, you know, because I, I, I got this I got hooked so fast on uh, my off switch never turned off. Right. And so it's like if I wasn't sleeping, uh, I was at work dealing. And if I wasn't dealing, I was playing, you know, and sort of turning this this cycle, as we know, uh, addicts have a recovery where you sort of like lose everything, look for help, maybe try to get some things. Then you sort of cycle back around through it. And so for me, that's what it looked like. And for 10 years, I did that, you know, uh, sports gambling, poker. I filed bankruptcy at some point. I was on the, you know, had to sign myself off to casinos. I was driving to other states to gamble. I have, I have a very, you know, we can get the specifics, but that's sort of like the overview. But God came into it uh, when I was finally just at the, I woke up like one day, 29 years old. And I was like, this isn't the life that I want. Like I looked at the history of my life. Like when I was younger, I had dreams of being in radio. I wanted to be a pro wrestler when I was little. I wanted to be a rock star when I was like 18 years old. Like I had all these dreams and things in my mind. And I was like, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> so for me, I was like, what have I done? You know? And so for the first time I decided maybe it's my gambling problem. that's keeping me back from the future that I want, you know? And so I went in to get help for the first time, uh, at a rehabilitation center here in St. Louis, a gambling rehabilitation center. And I'd been to these places before I'd been to see a counselor. I'd been to see a psychiatrist. They'd put me on medication. They, you know, diagnosed me with OCD and things like that to try and like figure out why I was doing these things. But none of the things ever stopped me from gambling because I was always like, well, my problem isn't gambling. It's the, the fact that I can't uh, uh, win. Like if I, if I win the jackpot, if I win a poker tournament, and I have $2 million in the bank. My life's no longer frustrating and I'm no longer looked at like an idiot. Instead, people are envious of the life that I have. And so like, I never really wanted to get help. I just wanted to get out of the problems that I was in, if that makes sense. So uh, after 90 days clean in my rehabilitation center, uh, the desire to gamble never went away. And so I asked my counselor, why isn't, why isn't it going away? And he says, well, you have to learn to live with it one day at a time. We've heard this before, say the serenity prayer and, 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 and the things that we, we were taught, I was taught in GA to do. And I said, well, none of that is taking the urge to gamble away from me. And I thought rehab's supposed to fix you. I'm going to come in here. You're going to fix me. I'm going to leave and I'm not going to have this problem anymore. And I wasn't having that pro I wasn't having that solution. So I decided to just go on a bender. I went on an eight-day bender. I sold everything in my apartment, uh, lost every dollar that I had to my name, cashed out my 401k. Anything that I get my hands on was gone. And at the end of that, I was just like, well, I've, I've done it. You know, I don't really have a life to live anymore. And this is the long way of answering your question, of course. So forgive me. Oh, it's uh, okay. I, I need, <laughs> you need the backstory to understand where Jesus comes into all of this. Indeed. So keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I got so, questions uh, <laughs> in between. So. Okay. And so, you know, I, I, at the end of eight days, after like just previously like coming to this realization, like I want to change my life. I want to do things better. And I was just defeated and broken. And I just saw no hope for my life anymore. And I was just like, I'm just going to kill myself. I really got to the suicidal point. I sat in my apartment. I was like, oh, I've got, you know, a bottle of pills. I can take that. I can run my car into a wall. A buddy of mine who I worked with at the casino, he had similar problems to me. He had actually killed himself and jumped off a bridge. I had thought about maybe doing that myself, you know? And so in that moment, I'm just very like, it's just, a, it's, it's a thing that goes on in your head in that moment that I, it's hard to describe, but I decided to cry out to God sort of a last ditch hail mary you know fix me please sort of thing and so i just sat on the edge of my bed i said god if you're real i need you to show me a future and a hope for my life because i just don't see it anymore and what happened next is so crazy i heard in my mind the kingdom of heaven is upon you the kingdom of heaven is upon you it sort of repeated over and over again now this term meant nothing to me still you know it was just like so unusual to hear something like that i thought that I was going crazy that like I was hearing voices and like my depression and my suicidal thoughts was just sort of like uh, getting at me. 
And so I ran into another room thinking that that would somehow stop this from happening. And I felt led to open up a, a Bible. I had a Bible in my house because it was my dad's Bible. He had died when I was little. And it was one of the things that was given to me as one of the things that he used to have. And I had his wedding ring and his watch. And I had his Bible. It was the only three things I kept. And I opened up his Bible. I never opened it before. And I was like, well, I think Jesus is in the New Testament. So I started there and I didn't read, but four or five paragraphs. And it says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is upon you. And when I read those words, I felt a warmth come over me that I had never experienced before. I started reading this Bible thinking, oh my gosh, my whole life, people told me this is a book for old people. You can't understand any of the words. Everything's, you know, it's for, it's for just olden times. And I was having the exact opposite experience. These, these words were popping off of the page into my heart. And that night I said, God, forgive me. I've messed up. I've, I've done everything wrong. I've done all these things that I, you know, and you sent this guy, Jesus to die for me. So I can ask for forgiveness for this stuff. And so I did, I said, God, forgive me, forgive me of all this. And I just knew in that moment that things were going to get better for me. It didn't happen overnight, but eventually this relationship that I started with God that night changed my whole future. It's interesting. I mean, I have, I wrote down a lot of questions as you were talking. Um, But the one thing that I, the thing that I took away from that first that story is that um the very thing that kind of um a notion in in a person's head the very thing that kind of uh is the reason why you you stopped uh attend or uh, participating in church or um your uh, your faith was the very thing that brought you back and to me what i heard was your father and and it's it that that is powerful from and me listening to it and hearing it the one thing that led you or changed your thinking or leading you astray is a thing that some it's sometimes is what brings you back and that's that is a part of the journey um so thank you thank you for sharing but the question i do have is um at one, at any point in time, did you try to leave the job? Did you try to, or did you find another job, um, maybe to remove yourself from uh, uh, the space that was causing your addiction? Uh, no, and I'll, it's interesting because you would have thought that would have been the first thing I did, but you know, I got myself surrounded by people who wanted to help, right? Family, friends. The first time that I filed bankruptcy in my early twenties, and so like the first time you have to sit down with people and be like, hey. I've been doing something. You have no idea. I've been doing this and like putting that on the table for the first time. There were a lot of tears. There was a lot of anger. There was a lot of frustration with me. And, but me at that point, I was crying out for help. Like, Hey, I need help, you know? And so my family and the people closest to me who were walking me through this didn't know how to, you know, walk me through this. They'd never even, they didn't even know what a gambling addict was. They never even met one, you know, and it was a hard thing for them. And so I had accumulated all this debt. I was about to file bankruptcy and, you know, we we took steps and measures to try and help me. You know, I went to counseling sessions. They took control of my debit cards and things like that. Uh, You know, we, we took steps, but what happened was like part of the way to get out of some of the debt that I was in that wasn't bankruptable was like, you need to make money. And I was making such good money at the casino that even the people who were trying to help me were just like, well, you've got to stay working there because you need to make more money to pay off your debt. And of course, being in that environment, even though I had to sign myself off from the casinos at one point, uh, allowed me to get myself involved with people who were like doing other kinds of gambling, or, you know, I could do secret gambling, like, you know, on credit somewhere else or start sports betting things that 
things that maybe wouldn't have happened if I would have just stopped the job immediately, but it was my environment that allowed the, the addiction to last as long as it did. You know, it's uh, one thing that you said that like really stood out to me in that is when you kind of opened up to your family and your friends, they were surprised, right? We talk a lot about how gambling addiction is so easy to hide. And, and we talk a lot about, you know, warning signs and like how, you know, loved ones of someone who is impacted by the addiction can kind of spot some signs. Um, but if you're not really wary of the addiction as a whole, right, if you're not really knowledgeable, of like what is gambling addiction? What does that include? How does it impact someone? It's hard to consider like what the, or not consider, it's hard to spot more so what those warning signs are. Um, so just thinking back like to that time, and I know you mentioned, you know, you're in this environment, right? Your environment is entirely gambling with your job, um, your hobbies, your friends, right? Um, mm-hmm. But if you just think it back to like some of the ways you're acting or do you think that there were any signs that like you can recognize now in retrospect, like in terms of warning signs, like how when your addiction was progressing that maybe you could have noticed or your family would have noticed having the knowledge you have now? Yeah, I think uh, if the two things that I started to do looking back were like the warning signs. But again, it's hard to know that things are going on in the background, but you don't really know you know, uh, was that I started to compartmentalize everything. Like I started to keep friend groups away from each other because if I was gambling and I needed help from friend A, I didn't want friend A to tell friend C, you know? And so like breaking off your friend groups and like, I'm only hanging out with this person. I'm not hanging out with this group, you know? And so that was step one. And then step two, uh, I was engaged at the time and I began to spend so much time at the casino, uh, that my relationship suffered. And she's like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you all the time? Right. And, and, you know, I would come up with excuses while I'm stuck at work. I'm doing this, you know, I would not, I mean, every once in a while I'd be like, Hey, I'm at the boat with so-and-so. But after, after I signed myself off, that lie became increasingly harder to, you know, to, to lie about. But those were the two things. It's like, you're gone all the time. You're, like you can't find, no one can find you. Where are you? You know? And if, I, and if I was broke, I'd be at home, you know? <laughs> and so I was easier to find, but if I had money, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know where I was unless you came to where I was gambling. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing. And um, I, one other thing that you mentioned that I just want to kind of double back to is the idea of forgiveness, right? So to make a slight transition, um, you had said when you were talking with your family, you know, during that first session, there were a lot of tears and there's a lot of kind of coming clean and talking about different ways that you had maybe been um, lying or telling half truths or, you know, um, being deceitful. Um, So I feel like forgiveness plays a really large role, you know, not only in that conversation, but really in the entire journey of recovery. And and specifically when you're talking about faith, I know that forgiveness has a very large part in that. Um, Would you mind sharing a bit about just the concept of forgiveness, whether it's, you know, having that forgiveness of self or, you know, dealing with forgiveness with others? Yeah. Well, for me, it it started with me first. Like, so like I had to realize when I started my relationship with Jesus and and after reading the Bible and understanding that like forgiveness is the key to your salvation is just like understanding that you can have it if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, you know? And so for me, it was like, okay, well, he did all this for me. He came and died on the cross. He bore my sins and, and like having a realization, like a faith mental realization, like, Hey, this happened, even though I wasn't there, I didn't see it, you know, was my first step in that journey. But then it was also like, okay, if he's forgiven me, I've got to move on and not sit my pity party, not be frustrated that my past is the way that it was, not be angry that I didn't get to where I wanted to be sooner, you know, and, and sort of forgive 
myself for letting thing letting my life get to this point because look sin is in everybody's life according to the bible and we all we all sin we all fall and so like i can't be mad about what what sin i got into or what falling i had so i just like okay so from but this but i can control from this moment forward right and so what i did in terms of forgiveness was first i started off with with thanking god for forgiving me and then second i tried i tried very actively especially early on to seek forgiveness from those who i had harmed and, and it didn't always land well uh, some, some relationships were able to reconcile and, you know, it takes time to rebuild trust in those situations. And I'm so thankful for the people that hung by me, especially my mother, uh, who was my biggest advocate for change. She was also my biggest, uh, you know, enabler at some points and, in, in, in trying to help me get fixed, but not really doing it the right way necessarily. Not to, she didn't know how I'm not mad at her and I love her support. Uh, but I'm able to, Meanwhile, there are other members of my family who still think even 10 years post addiction that I'm still like scamming people, that I'm still in the game of like, uh, you know, like I'm untrustworthy in some circles. Uh, some friends and bridges that I burned, no one will talk to me anymore, <laughs> you know, and in other circles, uh, I had to leave. Uh, and we can talk about this later because this is what I think is part of recovery is like who you spend your time with. And I was spending so much time with people at the casinos and, uh, they were, they become my close group of core friends, you know, and I had to, for, you know, I had to be like, Hey guys, I can't really spend time with you anymore. And that hurt a lot of feelings. And, you know, I can't do anything to ask for forgiveness in that situation. So you sort of had to like lay some things down and be like, I can't impact how they feel about this, but I'm doing this because I think this is the best mode for my recovery. Right. Um, what, thank you. Um, what we're seeing right now in uh, some communities is that um, with the, their, more receptive to addictions, mental health, and they're really trying to find different ways to include or be inclusive um, rather than like separating um, or not having it. They're, they're, they're trying to have uh, more mental health counselors um, as pastors or um, lay people in their churches just to support their congregants. Um, have you seen that in, in the realm that you're in, in terms of uh, the church, is there's people being more receptive to those who have an addiction and really trying to help them um, on their, in their recovery journey, their spiritual journey? Yeah, I've seen, uh, you know, through my ministry and through the, I work at a church here in St. Louis as well. And so I've seen a number of efforts reach out to a, sort of a, across the line to say, hey, we're going to help you with your active addiction. Uh, the biggest one of those programs is really Celebrate Recovery, right? You've probably heard of them. And so uh, they pop up in churches. And so churches on an individual level are able to sort of spread this, you know, uh, teaching, uh, Christ-centered teaching of active addiction and how to break it and how to stay sober and things like that. Uh, that's the biggest one that I've seen stretch out. Now, does that necessarily apply to gambling? Not usually. You know, uh, usually when uh, if you would, well, first off, we, you call it the hidden addiction here, right? So it's like uh, most people aren't talking about gambling addiction. And I think that's going to become uh, less and less of a problem is the sports gambling, uh, you know, begins to increase more and more. It's going to become a much more less hidden addiction. But nonetheless, uh, the church is really, they, they want to help. That's the purpose of our churches, at least the ones that I've been. It's like, we're trying to help people, right? Uh, mm -hmm. how, but we're not necessarily counselors. We're not trained specialists and things like that. So how do you pe help people in addiction? Well, what they've done is they've basically created little ministries you can come to once a week. And these celebrate recoveries, there are churches all around, at least my area, all around St. Louis. There's one every week, every day almost. It's just like a GA meeting, except it's Christ-centered. Thank you. Thank you. That's 
It's important. Um, so in your recovery journey, um, you created a podcast. Is that correct? Yeah. So when I got called to ministry, we started Testimony House. And so we started making videos, testimonial videos, started with mine, moved on to others. And then we sort of branched off to doing a lot of other types of videos. More, more recently, I've been really focused in on doing, we've done a radio show for a while, uh, focusing on trying to help people in their recovery of uh, gambling addiction. So it's specifically gambling addiction. Um, what is it like if, if there was a theme that people were um, talking about on that podcast about their gambling addiction, what is a theme that comes up? Uh, well, I mean, for me, the theme is always like, how do you get out of this? Like, it's finding your purpose in life. It's like how to, how to avoid continuing down this road, you know, understanding why you're doing these things. The theme is I, I want to help you stop. And, you know, I'm trying to highlight why you're doing it and how people are keeping you drawn in. But ultimately, the, the theme is for me, how do we get out of this? How do you how do you get to where God wants you to be? Thank you. And I hope you do get more guests. Um, uh, the, the purpose, like even us being having this podcast and us having guests is really to get the word out about the hidden addiction. And let, let's not make it hidden anymore, but really in, in the in the front of everybody's conversation because it's it's important. We don't want people to hide anymore. Or we don't want people to feel like it's they need to hide or um, and to get help. So I I, I do hope that it, uh, more and more people come forth and, and are able to be a guest on your podcast. I kind of wanted to double back um, from your initial statement when you started talking about um, suicide and um, and, and the gambling addiction and your thoughts that you had suicidal ideations and then you you know you knew a friend in the casino who um who completed suicide um because of his gambling addiction do you find that that is prevalent um amongst those who may or I, I, let me dial back do you find that people who work in casinos um what is the percentage of people who may have an addiction? Is that, is it an easy, you know, transition? Oh yeah. Uh, we used to, we used to refer to the casino business as uh, burning the candle at both ends. Right. So uh, it was, it was easy to uh, participate in the activities you were working in, right. Uh, whether it was gambling, a lot of drinking, obviously at the casino. So that was another thing that was a common place for us to go out afterwards as a large group. And so uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, addictive type, uh, you know, uh, activities taking place. And so, yeah. And do you think that suicide is, is, we know that we understand the set, the stats. So there's one in five persons who are addicted, who have problems with gambling, have, um, have attempted, uh, suicide. Can you, can you give us a little bit more about that? Sure. So, uh, I know, I personally know, uh, you know, hundreds probably of people who have, addictions right in gambling uh, i also have been to several funerals of people who have committed suicide based whether it was known or unknown right uh casino industry i don't know the, i don't know numbers but i can tell you my own experience is that you know i went to five or six funerals of people that i worked with people i worked with closely i knew i knew them i'd been spent time with them afterwards you know outside of work and so for me to, I don't know any, anywhere else in my, in my life, whether it was past jobs, whether it's my church community, my family, like, I don't know anybody else in any other realm of my life that has committed suicide. But in my casino work, I know, 
you know, a handful of people who've done it. And for me, that speaks uh, volumes as far as the environment that you're in and what it leads to. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the mental health aspect, I know you were talking about, you know, your depression and suicidal thoughts is, is another thing that's important to talk about too, because so many people who are struggling with their gambling feel that they're at, you know, at that bottom, right. There's no way out for them. So, I mean, I know we talked a little bit about, you know, how you, how you found Christ and that's what, what got you out. But, um, if we could kind of talk a little bit more, I mean, I know you talked about a couple of people that you, um, you know, you had to kind of stop those relationships with. I think that's an important aspect of the recovery journey as well. So if you wouldn't mind kind of just talking about that a little bit. Yeah, that was the hardest part, but I also think it was the most beneficial because what happened, like I, so I started this relationship with Christ and I'm being, to use a Christian term convicted, which is just means like, I feel bad about doing some things that I didn't used to feel bad about doing. Right. So all of a sudden I feel bad about doing some things like going out and drinking and all my friends are doing this and they're inviting me still. And I still want to go. And so like, even though I don't really have a drinking problem and I'm not like mad at them for doing it or I'm like, I might have, like, if I went there things, I would do things that I didn't want to do, you know, like I would end up drinking or drinking more than I wanted to. I would use language. I would have had a foul mouth when I was around them that I didn't have at other times, you know? And so for me, the conviction just started getting heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And so I was just like, I, th- I think I got to stop spending time with these people. And I started, you know, I had started listening to inspirational things and reading books to like help you. And a lot of them talk about, you know, like you are who you hang around. And I like, I don't want to be a gambling addict anymore. And I don't want to, you know, go to the bars every night. And I want to do things with my life. And, and so I sort of had to separate myself. Now I didn't call them on the phone and be like, Hey guys, uh, uh, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. You know, but I, I, I slowly started, uh, pulling my way for away from situations. And they were like, well, where's John? Where's John? Where's John? They asked that question a lot. And I would, and I had another friend who was still going to the things who I was still sort of communicating with. And he, he said they were saying a lot of nasty things and mean things about, and they were just they like, Oh, I'll believe it in a year. If John's still acting this way, I'll be a Christian. They'd say like, they just said all these like, you know, negative things about what I was doing, but I had to get myself out of that situation. Now it caused isolation and caused loneliness, but it caused me in that season, at least to, get closer to Jesus. Right. Cause I had to read my Bible more. I was trying to do, I was trying to do things to benefit myself. And one of those things was getting closer to Christ and th- through that relationship with Christ opened up doors to what he wanted me to do, which opened up doors for me to making new different friends, being in different social circles, being in different places in life. You know, we hear that in, I, I think part of like us doing this podcast, is really just opening the, the talk and concept that we just believe in recovery, whether someone else that we had on a podcast recently said, all recovery, all pathways, right? There are so many different pathways you can take to finding that recovery and finding that healing. Um, But one common theme that we just in in different conversations with a number of people in recovery um, is all about changing that environment and making sure that the people around you are supportive of really finding like a holistic healing to yourself, right? And, And that holistic healing, like obviously gambling addiction, can cause emotional distress, but it also causes financial distress. It impacts your relationships. It impacts your mental health, your physical health, like your, your career, right? So it can go on and so many, the impact can have such a far reach that taking the step to being well, essentially, right? Like that wellness journey towards recovery um, is so important to start with your environment, because like you said, right? Like going back to when we were talking about forgiveness, how you said the first step is forgiving yourself. That's 1000% the truth. Um, but to walk in 
like to walk on that path towards being like your best self, you want to make sure that people around you are also supporting you on that journey. So I know that that, um, we've just had these conversations and it can be a really hard step. Um, but it's, everyone has said it's been one of the most helpful things that they've done just to surround themselves with people who are really supportive of that. I think that's why you see like programs work, right? Because you're getting, you're surrounding yourself with people who are trying to get help. You know, just by you saying that, that just reminded me of, um, we have a peer recovery uh, person in our, in our organization. And um, he is, he is a person, obviously he, he's gone through his, uh, his gambling addiction recovery journey. And yesterday he sent an email stating like, you have to have like this starter five of support and you know whatever it looks like it can be a person place or thing and um you know from what amanda was saying regarding having that support and you having maybe to step away from that support but building outside support so maybe a part of your starter five was your faith you know and your mom and these are just the things i'm hearing from what you know uh from what you've stated thus far, but like your, your mom, your faith, yourself. And sometimes we forget ourselves <laughs> in that process. Um, but you know, those are, these are the things I'm considering or what your starter five is. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, no, what do you think is your starter five? Well, I think, you know, it's so, it's so funny you say five. Cause like, it's like, I remember in 2013 hearing something like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You know, and for me, that was that opened up my eyes to like looking and like examining, like, who am I spending my time with? But as far as my starter five, you know, uh, faith, you know, recovery is faith. Like the the Bible defines faith as like, you know, having optimism in an outcome, even though it hasn't arrived yet. Right. <laughs> and so like when you step out on a, on a journey of recovery, you are having optimism that you're going to get free of this addiction, even though it hasn't shown up yet. You know, and so that's a faith walk, whether you want to call Jesus in the center of it or not, you're, you're walking by faith. So surely, you know, and even the title of my first book that I wrote, you know, highlighting the, you know, the recovery journey that I was on was called Finding Faith. Like it was a, a big part of my journey. So that would be at the top. Uh, my mom is, a, you know, uh, was my biggest supporter throughout while I was in active addiction and while I, and after I started this new life and uh, she likes the new John a lot better, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, starter five that was uh, getting out of the casino uh, that, that changed everything, changing my friend group and getting, getting tied into Jesus was uh, number, number one with a bullet for sure. Uh, reading that Bible and understanding what he was talking about and starting to do some of the things he was asking people to do, you know, love other people. It's very, don't take this for granted. Like the, the, the teachings of Jesus are like to help others. Right. When you're in gambling addiction, it's a very selfish activity. And it was one for me that I spent years, a decade of my life being very selfish. And so it was a difficult muscle to start working out when you got to wake up each morning and try and help somebody else. But now I do it all the time. It's so easy, you know, as far as my motivations and my attitude about it. But early on, I was like, what do you mean help somebody else? Give somebody else money, I'm broke. You know, like <laughs> those kind of thoughts roll in my head. <laughs> Uh, when you when you were talking about um, you know faith and, and faith is recovery and April is National Month of Hope and but I said how fitting is it to have you as a guest for this month um, I know we didn't do it in in March because we had already had set up for Women's History Month and and I was like it's just fitting you know to yeah. have you talking about your faith and what you say faith is 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 having optimism of something that is not there and technically that is hope it's just hoping for something to come 
and yeah. it all it all goes it's all yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so John, I'm just, you know, since we're talking about faith and spirituality, you know, we obviously our listeners, a lot of them who are listening are people who are, you know, struggling with their gambling. And, you know, some people may have been had faith before, don't have it anymore. So like, do you have any suggestions, advice, something you would say to someone who's struggling with their gambling, who's lost their faith? What suggestions do you have? Yeah. I mean, if you were just to look at what I did, right. It's the first thing I did was just talk to him. Like, God, if you're real, were the first words I said. That doesn't come like from from like an expectation of something's about to change. You know, like if you're real, like I want to talk to you. You know, so like step one, let, let's just have a conversation with God. You know, prayer is just conversation. You know, uh, so I would start there. As far as someone who's like maybe lost their faith or maybe they have a story where like they've been burned or hurt in some way. You know, it, you, your relationship with Jesus is not your relationship with your church. Uh, it's not the relationship that you had with uh, maybe the parents who raised you or the denomination you were raised in or whatever that looks like, you know, so you, you might have to find for some forgiveness in how you were brought up and find like your new path. Uh, ultimately, though, I think it's, it boils down to this is that, you know, the Bible talks about Jesus says that we, he has a plan and purpose for our life. You know, it says that we are, we are created to do good works through Christ. So first you have to have Christ. Second, you've been created to do good works. And I don't think any of us would wake up in the morning going, uh, I wonder if my purpose is to gamble. My purpose is to gamble. Like, do I, did I wake up this morning and God put me here on this earth to gamble? And if your answer to that question is no, then we've got to find out what that is, right? What is the purpose that you're here for? And I think the answer to getting out of addiction or using your faith to get out of addiction uh, would be to answering that question. Why are you here? And I think for a lot of people using Jesus is the, the guide to show you who you are will pull you out of the place that you're in, right? He, he went after, he left the 99 to go after the one. And so uh, you want to start a relationship with Jesus, start with the conversation and believe and just trust that he has a plan for you. And it isn't for you to wake up every day and go to the casino or get on or bet sports or do whatever it is that uh, you're doing. I think that's awesome. And even if um, it's those who are, who may not even be connected to um, their faith or, may teeter-totter in spirituality, that is still a great question to ask yourself. Like, what do you, what is your purpose here? What do you think your purpose is, is here? And um, any person, faith or no faith, can ask that question of themselves right. to um, say, is this, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, and find that answer within themselves or whatever, however they want to get there. But it that is a awesome statement or question to yeah. kind of accumulate everything that we've been talking about um, today. And I'm, I'm just appreciative of the conversation because it's different, because it's new and because we, it, you know, we want to be able to have different pathways. There is no one pathway to recovery. There is no one pathway to enlightenment. Um, there is, there, there is many pathways and, as long as we can help provide avenues for people to get the help that they need, I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, so do you have outside of that? I don't know if you want to mic drop your, your, that question saying, you know, what is your purpose? But if there was anything else that you would like to say or how people can reach out to you, if they, um, if they are looking for help, you know, um, how can, what, do you, what is your last parting words? So, you know, uh, we have this ministry testimony house. If you want to watch any of our videos, you know, you can go to testimonyhouse.com. You can find us on YouTube. We got a couple thousand subscribers. We do videos over there. Uh, and what I'm trying to do in the next, uh, you know, 12 months, and this is my goal, 
right, is to make a feature-length documentary regarding uh, sports gambling. Uh, and and it's it's growth, right? You guys are in New York. You guys know what's happening. You guys, in the first month, you guys allowed uh, sports gambling to be legal. $100 million you guys <laughs> made uh, off the backs of uh, individuals who are maybe listening to this podcast and lost a bunch of money doing it, right? And so uh, I think this is going to be uh, – online gambling is already the second most uh, – highest addiction in in the country next to pornography and so i think with the rise of sports gambling it's going to be the biggest thing going and so i would encourage anybody to keep their eyes out uh for the marketing tricks and things that are being sold to us in terms of fantasy sports in terms of betting uh ncaa tournaments or football or baseball this is the biggest thing i believe that's going to capture new attention new make new uh, gambling addicts is this activity and so I can mic drop about purpose, but there are people coming who don't know nothing about gambling who are about to get hooked into it. And so I would leave anybody watch out for sports gambling. Do not get involved with it. Uh, you know, and so for me to make a movie like this, it's called betting your life. You can go to bettingyourlife.com. We're trying to raise funds to support this film. Uh, we want to be able to share how government and how big business and like, do you know that Disney owns 6% of DraftKings? And so uh, Disney is trying to get people in the gambling business. So it's like, it's, it's just a crazy story of what is going on behind the scenes to market sports gambling since it's been legalized. As you guys know, in New York, like I said, uh, it's, it's already legalized in 30 States and it's only going to get to the rest of them soon. And I'm really worried. I'm really concerned about the individual like me, who's going to wake up one morning and they're going to see an advertisement on TV and they're going to free play. And it's going to drag them into a, 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 you know, that that hamster wheel of addiction that I know so well, and I really want to help people avoid that. So uh, if sports gambling or something is something you're involved in or you have a story, I'd love to share it with other people uh, if you've ever gotten out of it. So just reach out to me, John, at testimonyhouse.org is my email. Thank you, John. Um, I do, and I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the beginning, but we always mention it, and sometimes I lose my memory, um, is that at all times, and I thank you for everything that everything that you said today, I Thank you for, we thank you for your um, talking about your, your spiritual journey, um, your spiritual journey, period, but also your spiritual journey in regards to your addiction and the gambling addiction. Um, but we, um, we do do a, usually do our PGRC plug um, and really talk, you know, we do have to do that. Uh, so for all those, our listeners, thank you for listening. You know, we are here. We are um, neutral when it comes down to gambling addiction at all times. We just want to make sure that those who need the help, whether you're struggling with problem gambling or you are affected by your loved one affected by, you can give us a call. You can reach out for help. There's many, we have a plethora of resources that can connect you to the care that you need. So we thank you again for listening to this uh, podcast. We thank you for having an open mind when it comes down to um, person's spiritual journeys. And uh, we just thank you always for supporting this podcast, being a listener, being out there spreading the awareness that problem gambling is prevalent in our areas. It is a problem, um, just like any addiction out there. So again, we just thank you. Put it out there. Let it, let people know they can get some help if they watch this. Let them know.